For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You work hard for your money. Are you sure it's working hard for you? You could be sure with Merowest Credit Union. As a credit union, Merowest is all about people, you and me. So they do the right thing by offering us better rates, greater choices, and better service. Merowest Smart Rewards Checking is a perfect example. It's a checking account that pays you with rates up to 18 times the national average. Really, check it out at merowest.com. And service? Merowest takes pride in what they do. Experience it. Your dreams and Merowest's values just go together. Consider Merowest today. You're listening to a Brawl Network and Eagles Brawl podcast. You love the Philadelphia Eagles! Let me get a hell yeah! This is the Kelly Green Show. We're a bunch of underdogs. And you know what underdogs is? It's a hungry dog. Here's your host, Football Kelly. Welcome yep. back to the to Green Show. I am your host, Football Kelly. 4-11-1 is the final record of the 2020 Eagles. This season was beyond brutal. Fans have every right to be upset, but as things stand right now, the only change we know of heading into the offseason is the departure of defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. So that leaves us with a lot of questions about who will be here and what they will do. Uh, we've had bad seasons in the past, but this one feels worse to me at least because we had a chance to really take over us a really struggling division. They all had, you know, rookie uh, year one head coaches for that organization, you know, giants football team and Cowboys all had a new head coach coming in on a year when there wasn't even an off season to really get your guys in, in, in the room to uh, go over your plans, your schemes, and everything. We were the ones that were best prepared to take over this division. But injuries, no preseason, poor execution, development, and play calling, it was all bad. And to be the worst team in the division, it's so unsettling to me. I mean, I hate to talk about it when I'm so frustrated by it, but I think I – can speak for a lot of fans when I say that this year just did not cut it for me, regardless of any excuse. It just was not good enough. Uh, My guest today is a lifelong birds fan and always cracks me up on the timeline. Charlie, also known as chuckles one, five, two on Twitter. How are you, Charlie? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Uh, We finally got this season done with, so that's the silver lining to this episode. We can move on, look forward to the potential changes that will be made. But let's touch a little bit on the nonsense that's been going on on Twitter and in the media about the Eagles pulling Hurts on Sunday Night Football. It was a preseason game for us, in my opinion. Wentz wasn't playing. Several other players were inactive. They didn't dress. Uh, It was a coach's decision before the game. We had been hearing that Sudfeld was going to be playing at some point during the game ahead of the game. So I personally don't understand when guys like Joe Judge come out and feel entitled that they 
didn't do what they expected them to do or didn't follow a plan to potentially win the game. There was no real incentive to win for the Eagles. They were giving their guys on the back end of the roster a chance to play, give them real game action. So it is a bit surprising to me when I hear guys like Miles Sanders speaking out yesterday about hating the decision or that reports are players were held back from addressing Peterson on the sideline. I mean, today we finally got a little bit of clarity from Jason Kelsey saying, you know, we went up to Peterson, we asked him if that was the plan. He said, yes, you know, and then guys just got to work trying to give Sudfeld a chance to do some things in the game to show off what he could do. And I'm just curious, do you think the decision has cost Peterson respect from guys in the locker room, specifically some younger guys like Sanders himself or the guys who didn't win a Super Bowl with him. Do you think that Peterson is losing respect from guys by making that decision at the end of the season? I do. I think that a lot of guys see it as a non-football guy. Howie Roseman will be dictating what goes on with that football team to Doug Peterson. And I think I've been a longstanding Doug Peterson supporter I mean, people were calling for his head, and I was still defending him because I, I really do believe in how he calls a football game. I really believe in everything he does with this football team, except this. Uh, this is inexplicable. Um, I, all these guys should have already been on board, and I don't know if Miles Sanders just missed a week of practice and didn't hear it. To, to uh, For me – hearing it from Jason Kelsey is like hearing it with, I mean, whole new classes on. Um, it really kind of shreds up Jeff McLean's reports that there was guys that were willing to attack Doug, Doug Peterson, which if that was the case as well, I, I mean, why hasn't Howie Roseman either cut those players or fired Doug Peterson yet? Um, so there, I, there's a lot of confusion. I still think here, I'd lo- I wish we had clarity was Miles Sanders in these meetings when they were talking about um, Nate Sudfeld coming in all week. Uh, I mean, obviously, somebody that was outside the team in Chris Collingsworth, he talked about it during the broadcast well before Sudfeld came in. So, I mean, if he knew, shouldn't have Miles Sanders known that that was going to happen? And then – there's also like, I mean, this is the confusion and me being pulled in different directions. I mean, if I was on that football team, I'd feel great for Nate Sudfeld, who's never got a chance to play. And I, so I, I don't know. It, it I really mean, I have nothing is. to lose. I think that that's the perfect time to give a guy who has been get, putting in the work for 17 weeks to get a chance to so, show what he can do. I mean, I think that's fair. Absolutely. I, I feel like it was him being able to showcase himself for a new team next year. Cause he's obviously not going to be here. Um, and I thought it was a chance for Nate Sudfeld who not only 17 weeks, Kelly, we're talking four years. He's been with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, you're right. And I, I only remember him in for what one snap when uh, Nick Foles got hurt against Jadavian Clowney in the Houston Texans game. I mean, I think I that's think he it. He played a little bit more. He played one game when it was kind of like to ice the game. But it's the same same concept. I mean, he really only got one real chance to play when Foles was hurt. So for four years and you have nothing to lose, I mean, 
that's where the whole confusion sets in with me with the Miles Sanders report. Because if that is the case, and Miles Sanders was there, and then he's upset, then yes, Doug Peterson may have lost the team. But if Miles Sanders wasn't there that whole week because he was injured, I have to lean to the fact that it's very possible that, I mean, everybody was behind it, and this is just misreporting. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think it just struck, it just stuck out to me that that was the report. And then Miles Sanders comes on, you know, WIP radio and he says he really hated the decision and it's mm-hmm. felt so like out of sorts and out of sync uh, for a locker room that we've seen really bond together over the years. So absolutely, um, it did stand out to me that that could be a potential problem to be concerned about. I don't care what Joe Judge or any media person saying about the Eagles. Let me just be clear. I don't care lost the game. I yeah. care about our guys. I care about how they react to it. But at the end of the day, you know, if Jason Kelsey is an older guy on the team, a veteran of the team, and, you know, he comes out and says, I'm just going to believe what he has to say over basically anything else. Yeah, I would say he's Captain Eagle right now, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, he should run for Philly mayor after this. Absolutely, you replaced Jim Kenny pretty well. <laughs> Come on, yeah, I just dig that one in there. Uh, so the next one we have to talk about is just the poor history of injuries that this team has had. And I hate to talk about injuries because I feel it's an excuse. Because at the end of the day, you have to build your roster to have a decent depth chart to survive those kinds of injuries. This, this is football. This is not an easy game. I think no. you may expect injuries to happen over the course of a season, a la the 2017 Eagles, you know, co- uh, overcoming so many injuries. But this was an interesting stat that Jaws put out, and I think it's a kind of amazing thing to see. Um, and it highlights so much of what I feel – was a struggle for this team to overcome. The Eagles used 36 different players on offense, the most in the NFL. They played 39 different players on defense, the most in the NFL. So when you hear that level of injury is top in the entire league for offense and defense on on both sides of the ball, what's your reaction to that? That we need to figure out what's going on with the training of the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, immediately it's now going on what three, four seasons of. Yeah. Even the Super Bowl year. Absolutely. Injury after injury to key positions. Is it our training staff? Because under Chip Kelly, we did great with injuries. I mean, the only major injury we ever had was Nick Foles breaking his collarbone that year. And then outside of that, I mean, Mike Vick, who everybody knew was breaking down. So we didn't suffer injuries on our offensive line. We didn't suffer these injuries all over the field. And there wasn't these questionable, oh, why did this guy get surgery this late? Why did he get surgery a week before the season was set to start, like Lane Johnson this year? Right. This didn't happen in regimes past. This happens under Howie Roseman, who controls not only the training staff, but the medical staff of this football team. And for all reports and and inside information that I have is very concerning. He's fired people that were more qualified going into 2017 
And then from there on out, it seems that we've had a major issue. And I'd like to think that the, the, the company that has their name on our training facility, NovaCare, knows what they're doing. But I'm really questioning that in recent years because it's hard not to question that. And it is. And I mean, is it the way that Doug Peterson runs practices? I don't know. Is it the NFL's rules and what has happened with practice since uh, the new collective bargaining agreement? Does that have a lot to do with it? Because there is an elevated injury uh, history throughout the league now. I mean, it's not just here. There's so many like, I guess, layers to this. But I think, number one, you have to figure out what's going on with the medical and training staffs and the advice that they're giving, just even Alshon. Alshon was supposed to be out only two weeks at the beginning of the season. Said he was out seven. And he was taking up a roster spot. That wasn't right to Carson Wentz. That was another wide receiver we could have brought in here. Instead, back to roster management and how things have gone. So I totally agree with you. And and so at the end of the day, whose head should roll for all this? Howie Roseman's. That's not a Doug Peterson. Brings me to the next question. Mm -hmm. I think you and I agree that Howie is a source of a lot of the issues, and you talked on several of them that you know are just clear as day to me. I think that he has been terrible at handling the roster for the past few years. I mean, you give him, you know, obviously a lot of credit for the Super Bowl and mm-hmm. putting that roster together, obviously, obviously. But he spoke on Monday after the season was over and tried to take some accountability for errors. But it's just kind of like the same thing every year. He'll apologize or take accountability and then he disappears for the whole season. You don't hear from him at all. Um, and then we're left with the result of an old, expensive roster, um, injured roster. And it makes me worried that, you know, we are hearing that he's safe. So in your opinion, if he's safe, is he capable of redeeming himself? And if so, how? I mean, in 2017, he really hit home with everything he did from Chris Long to um, the Garrett Blount, who I thought was the most important cog of that team uh, to Jay Jai. I mean, that trade was, uh, I'm, I, it, it was amazing. Everything he did worked out. Oh, and most important piece, Torrey Smith, who took the tops off the defense right. for and Doug Pearson's offense. Yeah. And stayed, and that's the most important part, stayed healthy. The following year, his replacement got hurt. Uh, shoot, i taken a whiff on his name. Uh, Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace, there it is. Um, and that's what we've seen since then, that all these replacement cogs have just gotten injured. Jordan Howard missed significant time last year. Not this past season, but the season before that when he was here fully. Yeah. Um, you had Deshaun Jackson. What, did he pay, play four games in his entire comeback to the Philadelphia Eagles over two years? Yep. Uh, I mean, this all, it, it makes you worried that he just, he's hanging on to that same formula and it's not coming together because he's, he's making decisions that just don't make sense. You had an offensive line this year, 13 different iterations, or was it 14 after the, uh, the, the Washington game, I, I believe, 
That's a record in the NFL. No one had ever had more than 11. That's you can't have success with, with not only a rotating offensive line like that, but now there's, there's reports that he'd like to trade both of these quarterbacks and draft a new one. I, quarterback I think that's just people trying won. to make some kind of stir in the fan base. I think that's, you know, far-fetched kind of scenario, but. I wish I thought it was. I, I, it's hearing, hard to trust him, to be honest. Yeah, but. absolutely. Um, I've heard it from a source that I, I really trust now that they're thinking hard about quarterback at number six or trading up and quarterback carousels never work in the NFL. And look at Cleveland, look at Buffalo. Yep. When you find a guy, you stick with them. I mean, look at Philadelphia from 1990 all the way till 1999 until we finally stuck with Donovan McNabb. We had a rotating door of quarterback. Yeah, and, and we're still, I, I don't want to go back to again that. now. If we're being yes, and and I, I don't want that. I, that's why I I hope he wants to stick with Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz truly can't trust Doug Peterson, and if Doug really isn't going to stand up to Howie, I I'd really like him replaced. I think that would have to be Howie's first move, and then I I mean to really bring everything back together. I, I mean, he needs to, um, in my opinion, he really needs to bring back uh, or not back, but in a general manager. To make the draft decisions and things. Absolutely. Money and financials. He can handle the money and financials. He's, I mean, he seems to already be handling that. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it's a very, I, I don't believe he can. I, I really don't. But if, if he were to, that would be my footprint for him to bring back the Philadelphia Eagles. The concern for me is that the cap situation is in such a bad state right now. And his formula, like you said, is really dependent on hitting in free agency because he can't draft very well. So if he can't pay a free agent to come in, what is this person going to do? No. And especially, He's not going to know I mean, what to do if he has to depend on drafting. Absolutely. And especially in an offense like Doug Peterson's, and people don't realize, but Eric the Enemy is going to run the same offense as Doug Peterson. I, I hate to break that to people, but he's an Andy Reid guy. They're right. very focused on the West Coast offense. This is the same stuff that everybody complained about when we had Donovan McNabb. It's mm-hmm. like deja vu for me when I hear people complain about Doug's offense. I also I subscribe to that offense, but you need the pieces. And if you don't have that player that's taking off the top of the offense, uh, I'm sorry to break Every single people, weapon but- in, in the possible cabinet. Like, they have the speed guy in Tyreek and in um, Hardman. Yeah. And then they got, you know, a stud at tight end, probably the best that there ever has been in tight end history. Absolutely. And Kelsey. A solid offensive line. They've got a hell of a quarterback. I mean, it it doesn't take a lot to see that they've got all of the weapons 
And that's why the offense is so dynamic. When you look at the Eagles roster, it's not close. Can I ask you something? I don't know if you've looked at this. How many cores would you trade the Philadelphia Eagles for like their wide receiving core for in the NFL? How many would I what? How many wide receiving cores of other teams would you trade the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiving core for? Like all of them? All but two. The Jets. Yeah, all and but the, the Jets probably and um probably not interested in the Jaguars. So the top uh, teams in the league. And then and New England. So I, if you want to go uh, Jaguars, New England too has just got an awful wide receiving core. Yeah. Yeah, and, I forgot about them. And that's honestly, you know, you've seen like, oh, Cam Newton's not going back to the Patriots this year. So it's, it's exactly the same thing. Like we look at tunnel vision to the Eagles. Like we are the only team that have these kind of issues. Like there's, there's a lot that can stem from a poor roster and make everything else look terrible. Like we know that Cam Newton isn't awful as a quarterback, but he's not going to be back with the Patriots. And it's probably better for him. He can probably go to a team that has a better supporting cast and do better than what he did in the Patriots. But I mean, this is the kind of thing that really makes me upset is really not knowing what's going to happen with this team because Lori seems to be going with personal relationships over the best, the best thing possible for the team. And, and maybe, and maybe he really does believe that Roseman is the best option for the team. Like everybody always says, Oh, if Roseman got fired, he'd find another job very quickly in the league. Well, that's probably true, but I just don't think that there's a point where everything is always a problem. There's always dysfunction every single week. And it's somehow only a quarterback controversy conversation. You've got to look at the full picture, the full context. And I just think when you boil it down to just being a Carson Wentz issue, it's just so not fair. Um, and that's not. my next question. <laughs> Carson Wentz is a player that I see true potential in. I know you do too. Uh, investment in him is the biggest factor and I don't care if fans hate him or love him it's just boil it down to the money and he's going to be the quarterback next year if they can sort this thing out and give him full confidence that he really should be here um I know a lot of fans are upset about hearing the reports that he wants out I think we got a clear understanding of what potentially was being said by the AP reporter Rob Maddy. I think that's his name. Rob Maddy. Maddy. Okay. Yeah. Carson Wentz needs time away to think about his future with the Eagles and there's hope the relationship with the team won't end in divorce. That feels more like coming from his side than an agent or even somebody from the front office of the Eagles. Like just saying he wants a trade. That's so basic. It doesn't feel like something that he would be starting out with. I think Carson Wentz is a very slow, thoughtful, moving person. He's not going to just be like, I want out. You know, I think he is unhappy. And I think he has every right to feel unhappy 
with the way that the season went. If you think he should be happy with the way the season went, I don't know what to tell you. Like he got benched. He wasn't playing well. Everything around him was falling apart. And he's been the number one target of media and fans and everybody else in the entire world. It's like, if you think about the Eagles and their struggles, it's Carson Wentz. It's just, it's not, it's honestly not fair. So I don't think the guy wants out. I think he wants confidence. I think he wants support from the front office. And I feel like he is saying in his own way to the team that he was let down by them during this year. So how do you feel about the Carson Wentz situation? I think you just said it best. He was let down by the team. Um, I think that's how he feels. I think that the leaks, personally, I think they come from Howie Roseman. If you ever trace where these leaks come from and then look at like where inside information comes from, from the Philadelphia Eagles front office, it's not hard to figure out that Howie Roseman loves to leak things out. He loves being in the news for the Philadelphia Eagles. For whatever reason, he's chosen game day to let these things fly to Adam Schefter these last what there was two big leaks to Schefter and uh yeah. Mort report he, these are guys that owe him favors I mean if if the common fan doesn't realize there's give and take between general managers and reporters and yeah, Adam Schefter doesn't get that fast tweet out to everybody breaking news without it being from a, a decent source and if you've got the GM telling you that a trade's going down you know there's a going to tweet it. going to reach out to you and tell you something else. And you're going to wonder if it's true or not, but there's a chance that he's trying to get some information out there to the public that is keeping his name out of the headlines and distracting from him being in the headlines. Uh, having once spoken that season's over, once that, se- that football season's over, all eyes turn to Howie Roseman and he knew it. Yeah. And he, and he's trying to deflect that. Oh, absolutely. He's deflecting. He, I mean, this is a guy with a public relations degree in communications. He's deflecting. And I'm, I have a communications degree. I know Kelly, you do as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a common strategy between people that are in the media. This is, it's a great play by Howie Roseman. If he wants to keep the heat off of himself, he deflected. (laughs) And then he and then he goes on on record to say that he um, <laughs> he's been watching money, Paul. But um, and that just that still blows my mind. But uh, this is a man that used to be very open when things were going great. Twenty seventeen, you had the Howie Roseman show right every single week, and then it just ended in twenty eighteen when things weren't going good. Yeah. And, this is a guy that knows what he's doing. I, I consider him a weasel. This goes back, and not even a weasel, he's a rat. And this goes back to how Joe Banner operated that building. When Joe Banner finally was fired, there was so many reports. And, I mean, just employee after employee, this is coaches, front office personnel, just talking about how it was terrible to work for the man. Um, well, you're seeing a lot of players who leave this building speak out. I mean, oh, yeah. it seems like the first time we've really seen that in 
the past few years, it's just all of a sudden several different people coming out and talking and saying how unhappy they were with. It's been going on further, though. Chris Long was doing it and nobody was realizing it. I mean, the man wanted confirmation he wasn't going to be sitting on the bench and Howie Roseman couldn't even give him that. And that's why he retired. Right. Uh, Tory Smith. I mean, has repeatedly said how unhappy he was and how he was dealt when he had been willing to work to stay with the Eagles. Yeah. And, and I mean, you, how he doesn't even realize this, that's what tore Nelson Aguilar apart. I, I mean, I'm willing to dish something on your show, Kelly, that not many people know. When Jordan Matthews was traded going back, Jordan Matthews and the other receivers didn't let uh, Nelson Aguilar into the going away party. And this is something I'll, I'll share openly. He was treated terribly by the other wide receivers. Torrey Smith saw this, took him aside, and started going to the bar with him all the time and hanging out with him and took him under his wing. Wow. And th- now you understand. And I hope people start to realize why Nelson Aguilar fell apart. You, you sent away his safety net. Yeah. And, and then you left the man with nothing. It, these are the decisions that Howie Roseman made that he didn't realize were going to have an effect on other players. But that's what right. happens when you have a team and you have to have your finger on that pulse. I always felt Andy Reid had his finger on that pulse. And and obviously Joe Banner did not going back to that whole ordeal. I mean, Brian Dawkins, Jeremiah Trotter, mm-hmm. Terrell Owens. That was not Andy Reid problems. Those were Joe Banner problems. Right. And the thing, we we all heard what uh, Lori said when Chip Kelly got fired and they brought in Doug Peterson saying, we want a coach who is a player's coach. Mm-hmm. I think that when you get a guy who is a player's coach, you think, oh, I can just be professional and on the business side of things as the GM. No, I think you also need to match that and be a player's GM. Like Absolutely. It's it's a give and take obviously because you can't always satisfy everything. I personally felt like we should have kept Malcolm Jenkins if we could have made it it make made it possible. Absolutely. It clearly didn't happen. Uh he didn't get the big money that he expected expected from the Saints. So, you know, maybe that was the right decision and you you can cut your losses there, but you know, he was available to his team all year round. Um yeah. he played every single snap this year. Um just just a true leader of the locker room and when you take these important players out of your room, you're you're giving them to somebody else. Um and that's I know a little bit heart and a little bit brain you've got to kind of make some really tough decisions I definitely would never want to make um, yeah. general manager of a football team but there is some level that you need to evaluate off the field players interactions those things need to, to really get sorted out and I think for for Carson Wentz he sees how people are treated and he's he's a very intellectual person. He looks at yeah. everything, and he is a very religious person. So he'll he'll be upset if he sees things are going in a lopsided way. Or, you know, I know that people see Dillard and Ra- Rager and all these 
offensive players being drafted to the Eagles and say that's, you know, Carson Wentz getting support from his team. But I think he needs something more than just roster, you know, draft picks and and whatnot. I think he needs confidence from the front office that you're really the guy. I mean, he got the money, yes. And I know that that is enough for some people that they should just, he should just be okay with it. But I think. Shut up and play. Yeah, shut up and play. Um, but Brady, when he was with the Patriots, got a lot more say. He got a lot more command. Um, he got a lot more um, room to have Respect. conversations about what the direction of the team was. I mean, he literally got Jimmy G sent to 49ers when yeah. Belichick didn't want that to happen. Like, you, when you're the guy who's making $100 million, I think you should be the one who gets a little bit more say in a room. So that's why when people say, oh, Carson Wentz is getting traded this year, I'm like, I just don't see that happening. I think he has a lot more control than people are giving him credit for. When you give him that money, you give him a level of power that you yourself can no longer control. Yeah. I think there's a power play, I mean, in stake here. Yeah. I hopefully, I hopefully think that and hope that Carson Wentz is pulling this power play to – get himself the talent that he needs to win. And the guy right. wants to win. You can see it. No doubt. I mean, that's that's the bottom line of why he deteriorated this year was his desire to win pushed his desire to make plays on his own because nothing was happening if he right. didn't do that. He was forcing a lot of things this year. Absolutely. And he had to. There was no other choice. This was a JV roster. I'm sorry, but Greg Ward being his best wide receiver for most of the season is not something that should happen. I mean, oh, then people lean on the tight ends. Well, no, a tight end's a tight end. It's not a wide receiver. You have to and understand they got hurt too. And they missed a ton of games, and so did Miles Sanders. Right. I mean, people act just because Miles Sanders – oh, well, Doug didn't run him in the second half. No, he wasn't available in the second half of some of these games because he was injured. He right. missed a significant part of this season – and, I mean, people, oh, it was only four games. Well, Carson Wentz only played 12 games, so. Right. <laughs> like, there's that's not a lot third. to work with there. Um, no. I'm with you. I, I think that there's a lot that needs to be figured out this offseason. Um, there's a lot of drama that will definitely ensue over the course of time between free agency and the draft. And what will we do? Will we keep Howie? Will we keep Doug? Will we keep Wentz? These are the questions that remain to be seen, um, but there's so many layers to it. I'm glad we got into a few of them, and I appreciate you so much for coming onto the show. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Um, the Kelly Green Show, so thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the Eagles Brawl podcast for more episodes. Fly, Eagles, fly. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.